What's up, guys? You're listening to Just Sports Talk, our third episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Joining me today, we have Tristan Marcajani, Justin Ryan Manitat, and Dimitri Dafos. We got a lot to talk about today, but uh, beforehand, uh, you guys can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Just Sports Talk. And, uh, you know, you can email us. DM us anytime if you want us to touch base about things that we might not be talking about and you feel want to be should be talked about. Don't be afraid to email us. So we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be starting with the Toronto Maple Leafs and then a little bit of around the NHL, a little bit about NHL All-Star Weekend. We're going to talk about the Raptors, the NBA, and uh, Super Bowl 52 predictions. So let's get it started here. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they played the New York Islanders last night. Uh, played a very good game. They shut out the Islanders 5-0. What were your thoughts about the game last night, Tristan? Huh. Good overall team effort. I mean, you win 5 nothing. Huh. I mean, that is a team effort. Uh, you know, obviously, full credit to Frederick Anderson. Great job in that stop 25 out of 25 shots. Uh, still in his head as usual for the Leafs. I think he's in the Vesna conversation for sure. Uh, you know, it was it was really cool to see the hometown kid Travis Dermott score his first NHL goal in front of uh, in front of his dad. You could see on uh, on TV his dad sort of like shed a tear. Uh, it was a touching moment to see from that. And also uh, Justin Hall, uh, uh, they called him up from the Marlies, the defenseman. And he also got his first NHL goal. I thought it was pretty cool to see that, you know, in front of the hometown fans. And it, it, it was a good statement win by the Leafs. If you remember, when they came back from the Christmas break, they sort of went on that little slump. They lost five of, of uh, six, and they were sort of struggling. That was less than a month ago. Now they come back from the All-Star break, around the same sort of length of time of a break, and they come out and do this against the Islanders. I thought that was a well-rounded effort by the Leafs. For myself, I thought the game started off really well. I thought both teams were, they didn't necessarily have too many shots on net. But I thought that the game was very fast-paced, you know, very back and forth. And I think, not I think, the first stoppage of play was actually when the Leafs scored that first goal, right? So you could see that the game was, like, there was a very, like, high, upbeat tempo to the game. But I just found that the whole night, I thought that Leafs forecheck was very good. I mean... The the Islanders' defense is very inexperienced. They're young. I mean, they're not necessarily that talented. They have the worst defense in the league, right? They've allowed the most goals. So, I mean, when you can put that much pressure, that much pressure on a defense that is that shaky, and you take advantage of your opportunities and you limit their offense, I mean, there's pr- there's a pretty good game plan in play, and they execute it. So, good for them. Since we're talking about defense um last night Riley didn't play Ron Hainsey was uh and Roman Polak were injured and and health or dealing with uh health issues what'd you guys think of the Leafs defensive play with out two of the uh without two of their most dependent defensemen I mean it was all I mean Nikita Zaitsev was back after uh was he off for I think 18 days, something like that, with a broken like foot? Yeah. And uh, he was on. He was paired with uh, Jake Gardner. And then you know you have 
uh, Travis Dermott and uh, Travis Dermott back there with uh, Hole and Carrick. So, you know, without their most dependent uh, defenseman, I thought personally they played a pretty solid game in the back end. They only let 25 shots against. So I think for a team that was missing three of their core defensemen, I think they played a, a defensively sound game. What did you guys think about it? Yeah, uh, like you said, defensively sound game. Uh, <laughs> you see, uh, like you mentioned, they had two rookies in the lineup, Travis Dermott, Justin Hall. And, you know, they didn't play short minutes either. Dimmitt played just over 19 minutes, almost 20, and Hall played uh, just over 16. So it was good to see the young guys getting a step back. Nikita Zaitsev, uh, like you said, lengthy time off, and he didn't miss a beat. 21 minutes played last night. Connor Carrick, great job, had an assist there. And Jake Gardner, obviously, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to get his minutes 20. Just I think he had over 23 last night. He also had an assist. So, you know, you see an improvement in that Leafs defense, which has been the subject to a lot of criticism this year. A lot of people saying, you know, that's the weak link with this team. So it, w- it was good to see this collective effort come together and see them win in such a dominant way. Yeah, I thought the Leafs defense were... Amazing last night. I mean, like Tristan said, the minutes for such young guys shared evenly across the board pretty much, right? Like, it was very nice to see. I thought the puck movement was amazing. I mean, the whole point of being a defenseman is to make that first pass, and I think that's the one thing that Zaitsev really strives in. And you could see yesterday, every single time he came out the defensive zone, the way he broke out and the way that the Leafs flew through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone, it always started with uh, the first pass, whether it was from Dermott, Zaitsev, or anyone. I thought Borgman, the first five minutes was a little shaky throughout the whole game, even a bit maybe. But I think apart from Borgman, I think the back end was very solid and something that they should be very proud of and build on into the future. Now, there's been a lot of talk surrounding the issue, or not the issue, more of a, an idea or a topic of conversation, what's going to happen to this group of defense once Morgan Riley returns? Because right now we have Andreas Borgman in the lineup, Connor Carrick, Jake Gardner, more uh, Nikita Zaitsev, Travis Dermott, uh, Polak. So that, that means someone's going to... Get the shaft. Have to get the shaft. Now, me personally, I've said it before, and I I think I'll say it again. I don't know if uh, Roman Polak will stay in the lineup, but I think Mike Babcock's starting to see a little bit of a pace changer, especially with the new young defenseman they they have in, in Travis Dermott. Connor Carrick, I think, personally, is... He hasn't had a a bad year when he was given the opportunity to play. So I think Roman Polak or Andreas Borgman is going to get the shaft. I I can't say. I thought Andreas Borgman's had a, a strong first 20 games. But after that, it seems like he's, he's struggled quite a bit. Well, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from there. I think that... 
obviously Hall is going back to the minors. You gotta because you gotta make room for that spot once you uh, pull back. Polak and you have Riley come back as well. You also have to take into consideration, you know, the coach, Babcock, he loves uh Roman Polak. He's that gritty player, he's gonna go in the corners, he's gonna work the puck, he's gonna, you know, do whatever he can to, you know, try and get the puck out of the def- uh, get out of the zones, right? So <clears throat> I personally think that if anyone's gonna get the shaft, like you said, Stefan, it's probably gonna be Borgman, simply on the fact that Bab, he uh, Polak fits the style of play that Babcock wants to see. Even though Borgman is younger and he hasn't had a bad year, he's got three goals, eight assists, so he hasn't had a bad year so far. But if I had to pick one of the two, it would probably be Borgman who gets the healthy scratches going forward. But it, it's 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 more of an idea that I understand Roman Polak might suit the type of player Mike Babcock likes, as he says, a good player, a good pro, whatever. But if you're a coach, wouldn't you just go with what's working? So if Roman Polak's not in your lineup, but the team's doing okay on the back end and they're not struggling with as much as you think they are, wouldn't you just go with what works? At the end of the day, you're coaching a team that that's trying to find ways to win each and every night and trying to be consistent on a night-in and night-out basis. So if that's what's working, wouldn't you just go with what is working for the team instead of just what suits a simple coach's likes or dislikes? Well, like I said before, it is working. Yes, it has worked before, but it's also worked with Polak in the past. I mean, Polak was on the roster at the beginning of the year when they were when they were scoring eight goals a game, and they were on that tear at the beginning of the year. So you have to take that into consideration as well. I think Polak is a little bit more. Obviously, he is more experienced than Borgman. I think you know whatever fans you want to say. A lot of fans criticize. You know, he doesn't move his feet. Sometimes he gets caught. You know, gliding. He doesn't move the puck enough on the penalty kill. Sorry, not on the pen, on the defensive end of the puck. I think that. And like you said, even though it is working now, somebody's got to get the shaft, right? Somebody, you are paying Polak. I don't think the Leafs want to pay Polak just to sit in in the press box, just watching the game. I think they want to, you know, play him, get their money's worth out of him. And if Babcock likes him, by all means, they're going to do that. So I, I understand where both of you guys are coming from, but I think it's clear to say that it's probably going to be either Polak or Borgman, right? So, I mean, the one thing that I really like about Polak is that on the penalty kill, he's a big presence in front of the net. He knows how to box out in front of the net. But when you really look at his game, that's all he's really used for. I mean, I think Borgman, he's obviously more versatile. (laughs) He's gritty in the corners at times. So, I think it all depends on really where Babcock wants to go with this squad but if I were to I don't know the history I think he's going to keep Polak but we'll see I think Borgman should go well there's been uh, trade deadlines only three weeks away and uh, there's a lot of talk about who might get traded there's also some talk uh, revolving around future UFAs and 
the one thing the media seems to keep talking about these last few days ever since the All-Star break is about uh, franchise superstar John Tavares. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you... What are your thoughts, guys? He gonna stay with the Islanders? He's gonna go. He's gonna go somewhere else. What do you guys think? Like, where can he go? <sighs> he can go anywhere. He can go play for any team, really. <laughs> and help, help, help out a good team, make he's, a run for the playoffs, and then as a rental player, you're saying like like the Islanders, uh, the Islanders sort of trade for him as a rental. A rental? Toronto. <gasps> Why not? Toronto. Well. Here's the thing. I, and yeah, I'll leave fans. Yeah, yeah, you want to hear some, some, some recruitment for Listen, a going rental to player, buddy. Doesn't hurt. I am a huge, huge John Tavares fan. I love his game. He's strong in the puck. He's a playmaker. He could put the puck in the net. He knows how to work the boards. He is a legitimate NHL superstar and one of the elite centermen in the NHL. As for if I, th- what I think, are you asking if he's going to be moved this year? If he's going to be moved in the off season? Well, come the come the time, I don't think personally he's going to get moved this year. Yeah, you know what so- I mean, because he, I mean, I don't think it would make sense. But when he's a UFA and it's time to sign a new contract, I definitely do not think he will be staying with the Islanders. And I look at it as a way he said it himself. I'm going to look at every option and what's best for me, right? Yeah. So If that means winning, I don't think he can do that with the Islanders and with a team that he's on right now. He's proven to be the absolute backbone of the Islanders franchise with the players he's had to work with. Like, let's, let's be serious. Players like ba- Bailey and Anders Lee aren't going to win you a Stanley Cup. It's just that simple. Well, I think I think uh, Tavares has done great with his time during the... What did he get drafted? 2009? Since then, he's brought them to the playoffs four times, arguably with, like Stefano said, you know, some some rosters that haven't been the best, you could ar- ar- argue. I don't... Th- this year, I don't mind their roster. I think they have a decent roster. I think they're in... I think they're in a tough division. And the Eastern Conference, you could see it. The Atlantic Division is very top-heavy. The top three teams are the cream of the crop, and then the rest are sort of just fighting at the bottom. The Metropolitan Division is a tight race. I mean, you look at New Jersey, who's in third... They got 58 points. Columbus is the first wild card, 58 points. Philly is the second wild card at 56 points. And the Rangers and Islanders are both tied lower at 55 points. So it's a tough division to compete in. It's not the Atlantic division. 55 points, they could be competitive in the Atlantic personally, I think. But in the Metropolitan... I think it, it's just tough for them to stand out. And I, I don't know. I, I So getting back to the original question, though, about whether he's going to be moved, I think I believe in players who like to win where they were drafted. He stated in the past he wants to win in long in New York. He wants to be there. He wants to be an Islander. That's the team who drafted you. And you have to respect his loyalty to the city and to the team. I personally... 
would like him to come to Toronto, if that's what you're implying at. I, I'd love to see John Tavares in a Leafs uniform. The Toronto boy comes home and helps the Leafs go forward. I, I would like to see that personally. But you know what? You never know. I think John Tavares, maybe he's one of those players he takes pride in in staying where he started. And maybe he doesn't, I mean, obviously you want to win the Stanley Cup, but he'd rather do it in Long Island or not doing it at all, I think. I mean, you understand from a loyalty standpoint where he's coming from. Like Tristan said, when a team drafts you first overall, they trust you for the rest of your career, essentially, mm-hmm. to put you as the play, the face of the franchise and moving forward. Like, look at teams in the past. Crosby and Malkin have done that there. Uh, Taves and Kane have done that with Chicago. It looks like Austin Matthews is going to do that now. McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going forward. But then again, if you really, if Tavares is saying he's got to do what's best for him, if you look at what's truly best for him, it's probably to leave. I mean, over the years, Tavares has made Matt Molson and guys like Kyle Oposo look like all-stars every single year Mm -hmm. because he can find them in any single open space on the ice. And you know what? Oposo's a good goal scorer. Matt Molson's a good goal scorer. No disrespect to them. But if they don't have a guy like Tavares servicing him, servicing them the puck, I don't think they put up the points that they do, right? And I'm just looking at the the point totals in the NHL this season. Mm-hmm. Kucherov, 64. McKinnon, 61. Kessel, 59. Stamkos, 58. Johnny Goudreau, uh, 57. Voracek, 57. Tavares, 57. And Crosby's got 56. The fact that Tavares is even able to be in the top 10 of scoring on a team like the Islanders, that's crazy. That blows my mind. I mean... He's never hit 90 points in his career, and and he's on and he's on pace to break it this year. I heard that during last night's game. So I mean, I think it's crazy how he's able to put up consistent numbers year after year, playing on a team where he's. I don't want to say he's the only player, but he's the only standout player that really can grab your attention. And I feel that if he does leave. The Islanders shouldn't be mad at him because he's devoted his whole life, all the sweat, everything into that club since he's been in the NHL since 2009. And I think that if he does want to leave and have a better chance of winning, that they'll be very understanding and say, you know what, Johnny, thank you for your time. You'll go down as a legend here, even though you weren't able to win us a cup. But thank you and all the best to you in the future. Yeah, and and I, I agree with you on that, Dimitri. I mean, the Islanders can't be mad at him in that regard. But they're also going to try their best to keep him, right? Like, they're not going to just want John Tavares to walk away from that that franchise. And I think you saw that last year, last offseason, when they acquired Jordan Eberle. They're trying to get pieces, even if you don't think they can win you the cup. He, what the Islanders are trying to do, in my personal opinion, is they're trying to make it look like they're getting pieces together that John Tavares can work with to win a cup. It's not like the NBA where you got to put together a team, a bunch of superstars, but they have a decent, they got decent players on this team. Josh Bailey is no scrub. Matthew Barzal is no scrub. Anders Lee is no scrub. Jordan Eberle is no scrub, okay? I Nick Letty is a, is a decent player. I think, I'm not saying that team is going to win you the Stanley Cup, but what I think they're doing is they're trying to at least establish a core and maybe add in some more pieces that John Tavares might look at and say, you know what, maybe I don't want to leave Long Island. Maybe I want to stay with the Islanders. For sure. I mean, 
like you said, they're trying to piece together as many fitable or suitable options for the Islanders so that they can try and so that they can try and convince Tavares to stay. I mean, it's clear that he loves the city, he loves the fans, he loves playing in New York. But like I said, when it comes down to winning, I think that if he moves to any other team, like honestly, he'd be a perfect fit for the Leafs. <laughs> You know what? He's such a good player that he'd honestly be a perfect fit for any single team in the NHL. I know Steph gets a little excited whenever he hears the fact that Tavares <laughs> coming to the Leafs. You oh, say, you does, say he? Steph? does he? Who wouldn't? Just, ima- just imagine. Even okay, the Leafs got a lot to worry about when it's gonna come up to signing time. Okay, you gotta worry about Marner. You have to worry about. <clears throat> Nylander, resigning Matthews. Okay, those are gonna be big contracts to fill. But uh, I was, I was listening to a, a hockey podcast yesterday, and there was a an argument made that, guys, could you imagine a one year deal for Tavares in Toronto, just to take a shot at the cup? Just imagine. You gotta think. He made the person made good arguments. He was like. This is going to be your only time for as long as the Leafs have before signing the three prospects they have to ever have them play for the team so cheap. Okay? Just imagine you take a shot for the cup, you sign Tavares for a one-year deal, whatever he wants, okay? You have Matthews to play with Nylander. Okay. Ka- uh, Marner and Tavares with Kadri. Can you guys imagine the, the depth we would have on the front end? We, I, I personally think we would be like the next Pittsburgh Penguins offensive powerhouse. I, I really do believe that. Like, we get it. It's a process. But this would be a gamble. And I, I personally think this would change just sports in general because you get it winning winning's a process winning takes time okay but like just imagine that you're telling me you wouldn't just take a shot to see what happens you're never gonna get Matthews Marner Nylander these players with this type of caliber for so cheap ever again it would be a Awesome, awesome chance. And I think personally, in the sports world, that would make a huge impact. It does sound good, but how much money are we going to offer Tavares? Well, I think whatever he wants, you give him just for that one year. But you see, the thing is, Tavares, he's still... He's in his prime. Like, he's hitting his prime prime right now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So he want more money, though. Yeah. But which brings me to the point, Matthews can't be given 12, 13 mil. What yeah, yeah, is that? Yeah, that was what I was trying yep. to get to That's that. That's the biggest joke I've ever heard in my life. Look at Edmonton this year. The fact that they gave McDavid all that money, even yep. though he's worth it. 12.5 mil? Even, you, you, do you think he's worth it? In the long run. Yeah, maybe not right. Okay, I may take back what I said. He's not worth it right now just because he's too young. But look, the fact that they've committed to him, which I understand you're going to commit, but don't give him that much money. Tavares' first real true contract after his three-year entry-level contract was six years, $33 million. 
Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Why are, why are guys given twice as what he was given before? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And to touch on what uh, Stefano was saying about depth, I think the only way to win in any sport is to actually have depth. <coughs> you, need, you need depth. You need depth in order to win. If you don't have four lines that can kill you, three at the absolute minimum, because you've seen Pittsburgh over the years, Chicago, they've had four lines that can absolutely kill you. Mm-hmm. They, they're confident with sending their fourth line out Matching it up against your first line. That's depth. Plus, look at the defense they've had. I don't need a... We already know Seabrook, Keith, Jarmelson, all these guys, right? And then even with Pittsburgh, Latang, Alimata, like all these guys are amazing, right? But I think one question, this is a really good question for debate, and I don't know if we have enough time to touch on it now, but I think this would be a really good question. Would you rather have Tavares... Or any single defenseman you can choose in the NHL to come join the Leafs next season. Okay, well, that's like saying, what are your needs and what are your wants? We understand what this team needs, and we understand they need a defenseman, okay? But going back to that topic on salary and what Edmonton gave McDavid and what Toronto should give Matthews, why don't you think he's worth 12 million dollars let's just say because he's gonna i personally think there's no chance he's gonna get much less than mcdavid we're talking about two of the biggest franchise changing players in the nhl right now so why won't he get it if he he's deserved it 40 goals last year he's on pace to break points again this year which people didn't think he was going to, I personally think he's worth every penny. That's fine. If you, you know, I have no problem giving Matthews 11, 12 mil. I really don't. The thing, what we're talking about right now, though, is signing John Tavares. And John Tavares is going to want a max contract. He's going to want around $10 million. And if you take that into consideration, and this has been the problem. I know, Stav, I'm going to let you talk in a second. Just the thing that this is what a lot of people have said about the Leafs uh, over the past two years. They've said, you know, it's great, right? Like, you, you. You, you hit the jackpot. You got Matthews. You had William ne- William Nylander already in the minors. And you had Mitch Marner, too. They all came up last year. They all blossomed at the same time. And it was all, everything was magical roses last year, right? This year now, the expectations are even higher. And they are living up to their expectations. Marner, to a lesser extent. But for the most part, the three are still producing your points. So, you have to take into account this is Nylander's contract year. You're going to have to sign him. You're going to and next year is going to be Marner and Matthews contract year. You have to take into consideration do you want them do you want them to have that looming on them over the year because you know the media in Toronto is going to be asking them oh do you want this team to sign you? That's going to be a debate that's going to be a conversation they're going to have throughout the year next year if they don't sign them this offseason. So that's that you have that possibility as well. So if you got to sign three as you mentioned very good young players Austin Matthews as in your own words uh, uh, franchise changing player and you want to give him 12 million where's the money going to come to sign John Tavares and then if you if you also take that into consideration like you just said our needs we need the defenseman if you want an elite defenseman or you want a good defenseman you're going to have to pay up for that too so the salary is going to start you know getting close to the edge there and you got to start worrying about that 
Well, like I said, I, I personally think the only way he'll come here is on a one-year deal. Because it, it... I don't know if... Tavares is definitely looking for a long-term contract. But just for conversation purposes, he would be an awesome fit in Toronto in a blue and white jersey. He's a hometown kid. But at the end of the day, I just think the only possible way for him to even come here is on a one-year deal. Without that one-year deal, I personally just don't see the fit here because, like we said, we have a lot of other considerations to t- the, for this organization to think about. I just think you have to look at the Edmonton Oilers and see what they've done. I mean, they signed McDavid 12.5, Dreisaitl's 8.5. So you have to look at what they're doing and say, you know what? Everyone was saying that, you know what, McDavid coming into the NHL, going to Edmonton, he's going to be the next Gretzky. He's going to take them to the promised land, this and that. You're shaking your head because it's not going to happen because of the amount of money they're giving to just two players. But not. So what I'm trying to say is that the Leafs have to look at Edmonton. So you know what, you guys are doing this wrong. You're overpaying too many young kids. You got to give them less money. This I understand they're still young and they're still worth the money to a certain extent. But you can't give these kids this much money because you're closing other opportunities and other doors that can help your team in the future. Matthews is a great player. He's amazing. Amazing. Toronto's so lucky and fortunate to have this man in the blue and white. But, I mean, I don't think he's worth 12 and a half just yet. And I don't even think McDavid still is. And I'll reiterate that point every single day. Well, I just personally think you look at salary compared to where the team is at. Yeah, I'm a Leaf fan, okay, but at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be biased when I say this. I think the Leafs have been a step further in the rebuilding process than the Edmonton Oilers have. I just, I just, yeah, Edmonton's got McDavid, okay? There's all this talk about how great of a player he is and how great he is going to get. But at the end of the day, Edmonton's GM made that mistake, Okay, I personally think the Leafs have the right pieces in the puzzle. Edmonton, on the other hand, is still lacking a consistent good goaltender. You're not going to get that out of Talbot. He's proven it. He's not a consistent number one goalie. They're still missing pieces on the back end. Okay? He's, he's, they're, they're, the thing is that with Edmonton, there was all this talk about them. Oh, you know, they went to the second round last year, the playoff guys. Yeah. Right? And they were going to be able to live up to that expectation again. I just think they blew a lot of money and looked at the the missing pieces in the puzzle. McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't the only pieces to that puzzle. Okay? They still need to go find a consistent goaltender. They still need to find another shutdown D. They don't have the second door, the secondary scoring like the Leafs do. The Leafs have been getting secondary goal scoring out of each of their lines. Each line has been contributing. You're not getting that in Edmonton. So from a perspective of money, I don't think that's the issue in Edmonton. I think the issue is that they're not getting the secondary scoring and consistent goaltending that the Leafs are getting. So at the end of the day, if there is a way to keep the three prospects on the team, right, 
and signing them. And if whatever the case may be, if they get, if Matthews gets 12 million and 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 Marner and, Ma- and Nylander both get eight, I think it's a win-win for everybody. So at the end of the day, I do think he's worked that, and I think it's gonna happen. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. <clears throat> so. You've just established that you're okay with how the Leafs forwards are, how they've been over the years, right? Yeah? The last, for recently, yeah. So the fact that they're getting secondary scoring and they're putting up good numbers, you're okay with that? Of course. So then don't worry about Tavares and just go get a good defense, an elite defenseman. That's what you should do. Why, why waste money on one guy for one year when exactly. you can just sign a long-term defenseman and really build your team? Because if you waste 10 mil on Tavares for that one year and you guys don't win a cup and then he goes and plays for Los Angeles or Chicago or does something else, you're going to really look at that and be like, wow, we just wasted $10 million, $10 million of salary cap. That's why they should just go, try and get Doughty, try and get Carlson, try and get whoever it may be who's going to help the team truly. Because Matthew's already a number one center in the league, so the fact that you're going to add Tavares, who would be the new number one, and you can put Matthews on the second line, that's okay. But I think the Leafs are way more in need of a defenseman than another superstar centerman. <laughs> yeah, Dimitri, you just... You just Said it perfectly. I hit the nail in the coffin. Yeah, no, you oh, did. Hey. You really did. It's it's. I I. I'm gonna reiterate this point again. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I am the biggest John Tavares fan. I'd love to have John Tavares on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but if our money can be used to get us a defenseman, which is what we need, and which is gonna help us win, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that. And even Stefano, you made that point too. It's our needs and our wants. You need a defenseman. You need a good defenseman. You don't need an elite one right now. You don't need an elite one. But you need a good defenseman. You need a defenseman who's going to play 22, 23 minutes a night with Riley, who's going to be consistent. It doesn't have to be Eric Carlson. It doesn't have to be Drew Doughty. Just has to be a decent defenseman who you can rely on. Uh, throughout the season to stay healthy and to put a, and to play those minutes. Well, from just a, this was just a a speculation conversation, right? So whether Tavares came or not, I do agree with the Leafs should go for their needs and not what their desires, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, a defenseman will will be on the talk for another podcast. We're gonna move over to the Toronto Raptors. Beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 109 to 104 after a comeback win. Jr. Let's hear from you. What were your thoughts on that basketball game? Jr. Give me the hashtag real quick. Hashtag bench mob. Honestly, the bench was a. Uh Pretty good again. Fred Van Vliet did a tremendous job, especially coming after, you know, probably no sleep after having his first child. And congrats to him. You know, it, it's good. It's good to see that the Raptors are still doing well uh, with their bench, but there are some still like so still some stuff that they need to work out, especially during crunch time. They we still see some ISO ball that they're trying to still move away from. Um, we definitely saw it. Uh, when they played Utah, when DeMar DeRozan took that last shot, but you know, despite despite missing that shot, he could have he could have made that shot nine times nine times out of ten. But even like he could have passed the ball up, got a better shot, and probably won that game. So there are some um, stuff that they need to work out 
moving away from ISO ball and you know hopefully making a, a, a continuous run until the end of the season because the Eastern Conference is banged up. John Wall going down with season season ending no not season ending uh, in, uh, surgery. He's uh, only out for six to six to eight weeks mm-hmm. with a leg in, leg injury. Kevin Love just uh, he broke his hand. He's out six to eight weeks as well. Um, and there's also Blake Griffin coming to the East. That's another conversation that we could talk about moving forward. What 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 do you guys think about the Raptors so far? Or you guys want to move on to Blake Griffin? What what can Blake Griffin actually do in the Eastern Conference with Andre Drummond? Well, I mean, uh, because Boogie Cousins went down for the season, they currently have the best front court in the NBA for now. I'm not saying. On paper. Going forward on paper, because DeMarcus Cousins went down and Anthony Davis is by himself now, Detroit has the best front court. Blake Griffin can rebound the ball. He can work the glass. So can Andre Drummond. They're both big men. They both kind of struggle from the free throw line. So that's an issue for, you know, getting points and stuff. And in the Eastern Conference, too, because it's it, it's it is the inferior conference it is you know the little brother to the western conference obviously uh but you know what this helps detroit's chances to you know what not only just get a playoff spot but you know they could work their way into the 5th 6th seed you look at the struggles of cleveland you look at the struggles of milwaukee lately if I think this trade helps Detroit, even though I don't like Blake Griffin's contract. I mean, I don't think he's worth that money, but it helps Detroit for now in the weaker conference, which is the East. They can still make a run for the bottom half of the seating. I just don't know. They won't. I definitely don't think they'll make a longer run within the playoffs because mm-hmm. Washington can beat them. Milwaukee can beat them. Um, they just have two big stars, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Stanley Johnson can do something. Um, there's other players on the uh, Detroit team that can help them out, but it's, Smith, it's, huh? it's just it's too early. It's I don't I'm not gonna say it's too late in the season, but they could definitely work it out. I, I believe they can, just just like how Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis worked it out. Um, but I just don't think they'll make a sustain a good run in the playoffs. When they if they do stay together. Um, for next year, maybe we could talk. We, we, that's a different conversation. That they'll be a mid-round uh, playoff team. That's if there's they add more players or Van Gundy sticks with his young guys, Stanley Johnson, Ish Smith, and he believes that they will make a good run in the playoffs. I think it's. I thought that this trade was very interesting because you see, obviously, Blake Griffin's the best player in the trade, so you'd think that Detroit won the trade, right? But when you see the two guys that Detroit sent the other way to L.A., like Avery Bradley Jr., he's a... wasn't he first team all defense? Was it last year or the year before? Or both years? I don't remember. Two years ago, he Two was years for ago, sure. Around there, yeah. Regardless, that's a really good defender. Someone who can shoot the three. Someone that's a consistent player, you know? And then even Tobias Harris, he's been amazing this year. Amazing. So, I mean, you do lose two key members, and you do get a big name in Blake Griffin. But, again, 
he's coming to the Eastern Conference. We'll see how he can adapt. Like JR said, they'll probably be in that five to eight debate. I don't think top four. But it'll be very interesting to see how these two guys can actually team up together and see if they can make an impact in the Eastern Conference. I definitely think it's possible, but I think it's going to be tough to be elite. Like you mentioned, Dimitri, uh, you get the big name from Blake Griffin, and I think that's what this that was a big factor in this trade for Detroit. I think Detroit is one of those teams, they want to get butts in the seats. They do. They want people to buy the tickets. They want people going to the games. In the they're, new arena as well. In the arena. They're, they're low in attendance this year. I think that, you know, getting a cal- getting this kind of a caliber player in Blake Griffin is a smart move by in, on their part. Even if, and as I mentioned before, even if the contract isn't so appealing to you Mm -hmm. you still get that decent and Blake Griffin is a good player he is he's a good player he this year he's averaging 21 9 and 6 he's playing you know decent he was playing decent for the Clippers he's only he only played 33 games but still doing good still doing good I I personally again again the contract is the negative thing for me with Blake Griffin I don't think he's worth that money but especially all the effort the Clippers went through to keep him there. But, you know, Detroit, I think Detroit won this trade. I really do. Uh, we have to see because they are going to face Grizzlies today. Yeah. And this Thursday. And the Miami Heat on Saturday. That's if Blake Griffin does play in within those two games. I know it's only two games. We still have to see how they work out until the end of the season and maybe into the next year. One thing that we can still t- talk about this trade is that on LA's part, LA yeah. still has Lou Williams, DeAndre Jordan. What what's going to happen to them if they if they get moved, um, or what's what's wrong with the LA Clippers team? Because Matt Barnes came out on Instagram saying that there's no problem in LA, uh, the Clippers. That is, Doc Rivers, the head coach, is the problem. Who knows that? He, that's why Chris Paul left. Um, that's why. It, Many people don't really like the Clippers, or like that's why Blake Griffin doesn't want to talk about it yet. He might he might talk about it now just because he's not on a Clippers team anymore. And it, it's sad to see that Griffin he hoped to stay in a Clippers uniform, following the footsteps as Kobe Bryant, potentially Demar Rosen, sticking with the team that he that he got drafted to for the long run. A mock retired his own jersey as a free agent pitch. They had a choir. His jersey hung up in the rafters in LA, in the Staples in the Staples Arena, and they thought that you know Blake Griffin's gonna retire here. It it sucks that that pitch is not. It wasn't fulfilled. He got traded. And now he's going to from an, a nice summer day in LA to a cold winter in Detroit, which is not bad. He, he, I hope hopefully he, he does he does a good job in in Detroit, and hopefully the team Detroit Pistons because they've been waiting a long 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 time to make a good run in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is really the first time Detroit's had something to be kind of excited about since that amazing team back what was it 04 the 04 Pistons yeah like you're talking about a team that had Billups Rip Hamilton Tayshaun Prince and then the two Wallace boys right Rashid and Ben like that was an amazing team probably go down as one of my three favorite teams to ever to ever win a championship along with the 08 Celtics 
But I have a question, Jr. What's up? Jerry West, he's with the Clippers now, right? Yeah. And where Consultant? was he? Was he? Where was he before? Indiana. I believe so. So I mean, you could see that he transformed Indiana when yeah. Paul George first came into the league. They made it to the Eastern Conference Final. They had a good series against the Heat that one year. And I mean, you can see that he's already thinking towards the future with this Clippers team because we were talking about the Clippers and what they should expect. I mean, when you get two really good players in Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley Jr., you still got Lou Williams, you still got DeAndre Jordan. I think, I don't want to say trust the process because these guys aren't young, young like the Sixers are, but I truly believe that Jerry West can turn this franchise around. You know, I personally think Doc Rivers, he's an all-time coach. He'll go down as one of the best coaches ever he's yep. very very good he knows the game he's perfect for the nba i mean you could see not not only because he had that 08 clippers team who were so good and i'm sorry not the 08 clippers the 08 celtics who were very good i just think he knows how to get the best out of his players for the most part even though that may raise some concerns and questions over the past two three seasons right because when they put this clippers team together like five years ago they had hopes of winning a championship, right? Yeah. But just the way that Jerry West was able to, or not Jer- not Jerry West, just the way that Golden State was able to build their team. And you know what? I actually think it was Jerry West. He was in Golden State. That's where he was. He wasn't with Indiana. He was with Golden State before, I think. And he's the one who said, you know what? We got to draft. We got to trust the process. You got to take it game by game, not year by year. You got to go game by game. And you take it from there. Again, I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure if it was the Pacers or the Warriors where Jerry West was, but I think it was Jerry West. But I just think that the Clippers can have a bright future because I think Jerry West is the man to take them forward. Um, I just don't think Lou Williams might be, uh, stay there for the long run. John Jordan might. I think John Jordan might actually stay there. But Lou Williams, he should get moved Um if, if Jerry West thinks and Doc Rivers, Steve Ballmer think that what's best for the Clippers is having pushing forward with this young group. Um, they still have Austin Rivers, who's still injured right now. Still a lot, a lot of good young talent that we we don't know their name names of. Avery Bradley just came there. Tobias Harris, Boban, Marjanovic. So we'll see what the Clippers do. Um, sticking with it around the NBA, there's one thing that we could talk about. Um, a good motivation for the NBA All-Star game. Each player will receive $100,000 bonus if they win the game. And if they lose, loser gets $25,000. In, in the past years, they only get like $50,000 for the winners. And, you know, separate. They, some, some people have separate incentives in their contracts. So say if uh, one player makes the All-Star, All-Star team, they'll get some bonuses in their contract. So do you think this is a good motivation for getting a good all-star game on Sunday? Well, not this Sunday, but on Sunday night? I mean, you're never going to say no to more money, right? I mean, as the players, right? If you're, if you, if, if the NBA says, hey, if you win this game, you get this amount of money, right? Uh, I mean, I would try to win the game, right? I would try to, mind you, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't make the nearly amount uh, of their contracts, but, <laughs> Fortunately, that's why we're all here. but, you know, 
it's it's a good part on the NBA on just trying to keep the game competitive. You know, it's been a, everybody knows it's been a joke the past few years. You have two hundred to one hundred ninety eight games, no defense played whatsoever. And, you know, they, they've tried to change it this year. They tried to make it at least a little bit more enticing to the fans, to make it more enticing in general to the game. You see they had the vote, the fan vote, to pick the captain, Steph Curry, LeBron James. They picked their teams. And now, and then, and then they, they totally screwed themselves up by not televising that draft, by the way. But regardless, they did that to try and entice the fans. And now you do this, right? You want to make the game competitive. People are paying money, right, uh, to go see the game. Uh, when a city hosts an all-star game, people from the town are going to go, right? People are going to go buy tickets, and tickets are usually expensive. Resale, even, you know, face value. So when people go, they want to see a good game. They understand it doesn't mean anything, but they want to see a good game. These are the best players in the world. Why wouldn't you want to see them try hard? So I think it's a good move on the NBA. And it's different because it's... It's a it's a playground style that we've already been talking about. Team LeBron already has been stacked up. Team Stephen Curry has already been chosen. Um, we'll just have to wait to see if this actually works out and see if this will go through in the future. But sticking into the Eastern Conference, uh, we talked about Kevin Love being out six to eight weeks with a hand injury. Um, also, John Wall is out for a, with a leg injury for six to eight weeks. So. How 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 this how can this affect the Cavaliers? They're down another big guy, Kevin Love. What do you guys think if if the Cavs will make another a big will need a big big trade, or um some 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 things has to happen in the Cavaliers in the Cleveland. Well, I mean, obviously Kevin Love going down hurts six to eight weeks, but I think this might be. Like Stephen A. was talking about the other day on first take, maybe this is good for Kevin Love to kind of get away from the drama. I mean, you look at all... <laughs> like, No, it's funny. It doesn't but, make sense when you say it, but when you actually think about it, yeah. if he rests, if he gets his mentality, his mojo, and everything back together to the way he was playing during that 18 of 19 games, right? So, I mean... It's crazy to even think of what I just said was right, but I think that Kevin Love needs some time to himself, regroup, and try and get this Cleveland Cavaliers team back to what they truly were. And hopefully during this time, LeBron James will step his game back up and actually try and be the player, the MVP candidate that they're talking about. Because you know that when it comes to the Cavs, it's LeBron James. So if LeBron's not playing well, I mean, what can you do? Um, you know, it, it's a good point. Kevin Love is going to be out of the drama because just because, um, you know, there's a lot of drama happening in in Cleveland. Um, they're not they're not winning a lot of games. They're still trying to figure out a good lineup, and maybe this is a good thing um, for the Cleveland Cavaliers that they they might pursue a trade, or if. If Kevin Love comes back and helps out the team during the playoffs, maybe that might be helpful as well. Um, Andre Drummond is actually going to replace John Wall in the All-Star game, uh, replacing, I believe, John Wall. And we'll see what happens then. Moving on, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is this Sunday. How excited are you? For the weekend of football. For the Patriots to lose. Go Eagles, go! 
what are our predictions for the Super Bowl this weekend? You guys want to Honestly, I've thought about this so much, but I honestly don't think I'm going to make a prediction until the day of. Because one day I think this Eagles defense is amazing, which they are. The other day I say Nick Foles has been very solid, which he has been. But the other day, I just say to myself, the Patriots have Tom Brady. So, I mean, can you really go wrong with any pick that you say? Because, I mean, I think as of right now and throughout the course of the year, the Eagles have been the better football team. Uh-huh. But the Patriots have the best player, arguably all time. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I have the goosebumps right now thinking of it. I really don't know. My heart's telling me... Eagles, but my grade nine gym teacher always told me to never ever bet against Tom Brady. So I mean, right now my mind might it might be telling me Patriots, but I'm not sure just yet. Yeah, honestly, like I want the Eagles to win as an underdog against the Patriots. Um, it would be it would be nice to see the Patriots lose, but then again, we all know that they have a Patriots have a good good chance of winning again. There's there's no there's no way you can beat. Tom Brady, and even if even if they're down two players, Gronk might be playing. Um, like they're still gonna make a good run during that game, even win that game and get another Super Bowl ring. Justin, I don't know. It's gonna be a good game. It really, is. it's gonna be a good game. We all know what you know. It's gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited to see Justin Timberlake at the, at oh the halftime God. show. That's what I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see Justin Timberlake, man, bringing sexy back. I don't say Jesus. <laughs> Is that your favorite song? No, nah, no. Nah, come on. We got. We no. What's that? What's the other song he's got? Like a, I don't know. I'm in a mirror. Uh, mirrors, mirrors. Yeah, oh something, like, something like that. Yeah. Good God, Tristan. There's, there's a reason I'm not a professional singer. For Do you want me to cut this out from the podcast? No, 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 no. Keep this on. Keep this on. It's oh okay. my God. I don't but, know. I'm. I'm on the fence about it. Like Dimitri said, I don't really want to make a bold prediction until the day of. I'd like to see change. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see. The Eagles win. I mean, great sports city. Very passionate fan base. I'd, I'd like to see them win. I'm just, personally, I'm tired of seeing New England always coming out on top. I just I, I just, I just think it's, it's good for sports. And it's good for football to see change. But like Dimitri said, you can never count out New England. And, Tom Brady, so mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see what happens. You know what? Forget about it. Eagles are going to win this game. Eagles are my pick. There we go. It's a good redemption story. They lost 24-21 in 2005 when yeah. they faced the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. So it, it might be a good redemption. Like it, it, would, it, it would really, really suck to see the Eagles lose again twice. Um, and their only Super Bowl play against the Patriots. Um, but it, we'll, we'll have to see on this weekend. Well, they've never won a Super Bowl, period. So any team to lose in the Super Bowl, it's devastating for any team to lose in the Super Bowl, no matter to what team. But they've never won a Super Bowl. So for them... I'm, I'm just saying because like, the yeah. first time they ever made the Super Bowl was in 2005. Yeah, exactly. And that was against Patriots. The Patriots so they, yeah. if they lose again, that sucks. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it, it, it really, really sucks. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to see some uh, redemption out of them. Um, before we get off this podcast, did you guys see uh, Floyd Mayweather's uh, Instagram posts? Money. Money, money, May, money baby. May. Okay, so if you guys didn't see it, Floyd Mayweather posted one video of him entering an octagon. No shoes, just trunks. No socks, just trunks. Just like a UFC fighter. One, when in the first video he st- he walks into the octagon, stands out, you know, show showboats, and that's one video. The second video, he's actually talking, talking to the camera. Did you see the second video? Uh, I didn't see the second video. I saw the first one. So there is a second video that he's actually in the octagon and he's actually talking to the camera, oh. talking about you know. What does he say? Maybe. It's time. Along the lines of that, I, I can't remember what he exactly said, but like, time for I what? Think it, I think it's time. time you know, it's time to move. Is move, he calling out? Away. Is he calling out a specific I don't, Irish I don't, man? I don't think he's calling out, but he does. He, from in my my perspective, he actually in that in the video, he looks for he looks prepared to you know train for a UFC fight or mar, mixed martial fight. Quick, but qu- this could be this could be just um, promoting his name again. You know, it's been a while since we've seen him. Um, and a lot, a lot of sports companies are actually talking about it. What does this video mean? Yeah. Uh, what, what's Floyd Mayweather's new, you know, fight? Could there be a fight in the octagon in the future? Or is this just a thing to blow up his name? Quick question. Quick question. Because we all know what this is alluding to. Would you guys pay to see Mayweather and one Mr... Conor McGregor in the, the octagon. The notorious. The notorious <laughs> Conor McGregor. Would you guys pay to see that action? Okay. If it, uh, if, what do you if, mean? What do you mean I by pay? Pay per view. Like, okay, obviously I'd buy the fight, of course. You would. But I wouldn't go and watch it live if. if I, no, that's right. I mean, yeah. I, I so mean, watch on TV. Yeah. Yeah, watch oh, on yeah. TV. Like it's, it's, to me, it's it's nice to just get people together. You know, watch a sporting event. Like sure. if it if it brings hype and attraction to the sport to the media. Obviously, it's going to be worthwhile watching. But honestly, I don't see why Mayweather would ever want to get into an octagon with Conor McGregor. He will absolutely destroy him. He will rip him apart. McGregor had a better chance in the ring than Mayweather does in the octagon. octagon. Like, this is so dumb. The fact that this is even a debate. People thought that McGregor getting into, into the ring with Mayweather was dumb. But the fact that this is even a debate now, holy. Well, UFC's a whole nother level. And that's my, and that and that's, that, that's sort of where I'm coming from with my next point. I, I think that, you know, with the, with the money fight, right, between the two, a lot of people called it a joke, as you just alluded to, Dimitri. Like, it was a joke, right? Everybody knew Floyd Mayweather was going to win that fight regardless, right? Whether it went to the judges or whether he knocked them out, technical knockout, however you wanted to finish it. Con- uh, Floyd Mayweather was going to beat Conor McGregor. But I think in this fight, it's the same thing, really. I think it's the same thing. Conor McGregor will beat Floyd Mayweather in the octagon. There's no way Floyd Mayweather is going to just go in... Pretty much into anarchy, essentially. In boxing, you can't hit below the belt. In UFC, you could choke a guy. Yeah. You can 
you could do a but you could kick him in the head you could do a bunch of things right? conor mcgregor is also bigger than him and stronger and younger right we all know this we knew this going into the boxing fight because of the rules though it restricted conor mcgregor which is why so many people said he stands no chance in ufc just don't hit where the sun don't shine and you're good in the essentially in the ufc where the sun shines tristan <laughs> well uh, this is a pg podcast we're not going to get into that oh, <laughs> um but yeah uh, going to demetrius point like even like floyd Mayweather will lose to any mma fighter any Easy. any yeah, mma yeah, yeah. we're not, not talking just, just mcgregor we're not no. just talking about mcgregor but even if we're going to talk about mcgregor he's gonna get destroyed by mcgregor First round, probably 10 seconds. If you saw that, if you saw a fight with uh, CM Punk and uh, Mickey Gall, like, that's going to be exactly the same thing as uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in an octagon. Going to the last point about buying a pay-per-view, honestly, and I'm, I'm actually, this is an honest point, I want to see what else is on the card. Yeah, exactly. That, that makes it's, sense. It's it's it has to be worth my money because yeah. nowadays pay per views are pre, are pretty expensive. Well, mm-hmm. not expensive, but like you know, right, hundred. I, I got I got I got stuff other other stuff to pay for. Yeah, See, I could one- I could pay for something else. I could wait until tomorrow morning to get news, get catch them a little bit of highlights. Probably try not to get the illegal highlights, of course, but like what? ESPN highlights because they're gonna show it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's I need to see what's what's on the card. Uh, on that night and we'll see what's what's worth my money see the one thing that I love Conor McGregor and I love Mayweather but this doesn't need to happen see the thing that makes me really angry is the fact that Conor McGregor he's a UFC fighter he's a mixed martial artist by trade why does he care about Mayweather so much just forget that's in the past now man you got your money yeah (laughs) see the thing that was it money but listen this is the this is what I don't understand in McGregor's weight class right now, you have Khabib and yeah. you have Tony Ferguson, who are two amazing fighters. Mm-hmm. Who are waiting. So we are, yeah, we already know Khabib and Ferguson are fighting each other, mm-hmm. and then the winner of that is gonna play is not play. They're gonna fight McGregor. So I don't see why McGregor wants to stay out of the MMA game for this long. Because honestly, I think he could still beat Tony Ferguson. But who knows? But if you watch Khabib fight, that oh man my is God. bad, man. He's bad. He He's very bad. I just, I just want to see another title defense from McGregor in the UFC just because, you know, it's been a while. Um, people might say he's running away right now. He's not not trying to fight for the belt anymore right now. But hopefully we get to see that because it's been a while. I want to see McGregor fight again. I just think Conor McGregor needs to get this whole like ego thing out of his head and focus on the MMA because and that's get, and get more money. Yeah, he's true to the MMA, so stay true to the MMA. Don't worry about Floyd Mayweather anymore. Like you got two world class fighters who are waiting to fight you, but you're making this year long process worth two years. That's all I have to say. Well, in fairness to McGregor, Mayweather was the one who posted the videos. He was the one who went into the octagon looking all, okay, I'm going to fight now in the UFC. But obviously, we're going to make judgments about it because he just fought McGregor. And... You know, there's been rumors since, since before, even before the fight happened in, in, in the boxing ring, 
will Floyd Mayweather even go to the oh, yeah, yeah. octagon? Which, obviously, we know he's going to lose. He's not going to win that fight. Guys, at the end of the day, all it is is entertainment. Money. That's all it is. Of course. Okay? McGregor had no business being in the ring. Mayweather has no business um, being in the octagon. But at the end of the day, it's entertainment, and people would pay to see it. Not going to lie, McGregor actually looked good at Which is in, kind in of... It, 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 it's not a question about whether... Mayweather will lose or not in the octagon. Okay, it wasn't a question about whether McGregor would win in the, uh, would win in the ring, in the ring. But at the end of the day, there are two world class fighters that would try something new, and you know I think it'll be exciting to watch. You look at the boxing match that took place in the summer. No one expected McGregor in the ring to go that far. Would you guys have thought McGregor would have went 12 rounds? Would you guys would have uh, think McGregor would have went 12 rounds in the ring? With with any other boxer than Floyd Mayweather? No. Well, it depends. Maybe. See, the thing is... Maybe. Obviously, like you said, it's, he didn't deserve to be in the ring. He actually put up a good fight. He did. But listen, this is the thing that people don't understand. or Because there's a lot of big McGregor fans out there, right? You got to keep in mind... That what? Mayweather was off for two years. Because his last fight when he was 38, he came back when he was 40. So whether it was a year and a half or two years, whatever it may be. The fact that you're not in the ring fighting, you can train all you want. But if you're not actually fighting someone who can give you somewhat of a competition in anything, it doesn't matter. So that's why I think the fight with Conor and Mayweather was a lot closer than it was. Because... Mayweather, as much as he trained, he wasn't in the ring in the in, sorry in the ring fighting consistently. You understand? That that's that's what I have to say. Uh, another thing too is you know as as Floyd Mayweather so eloquently and explicitly said during their trash talking tour, uh, you know McGregor's made some some you know good money. You know he's made three million, four million dollar checks in the UFC. And but Floyd said he's a uh, nine million dollar fighter, right? So where do you? The thing is, for Floyd, is it worth it to go put your fifty and zero record no. on the line to make? He's not gonna put well at most. I, what would you say that fight could make? Ten mil. The fact that Mayweather's in mean? the fight is gonna I'm saying make for the up. winnings. I'm saying. Oh. Um, a good decent amount with some insurance policies, yeah, and uh, incentives because <laughs> he's gonna get destroyed, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's gonna need hospital bill payments, yeah, yeah probably. For sure. yeah. But yeah, obviously, if he forgot, like, for some reason, he actually signs a good a contract, UFC, Bellator, oh, dear god, not Bellator, but like any MMA fight, he'll get money. Yeah. He got a decent amount of money, um, the, and it'll just it'll still just depend on who he's gonna fight. Anyways, um, I know I said we were gonna go off off the air again, but this just came out on my computer. <laughs> um, there's some sources from the ESPN um, desk that LeBron James, the goat, is gonna. Potentially meet with the Golden State Warriors for oh <laughs> for uh, some 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 you know ex- ex- exploration, some ways if they could potentially play in the West. 
But it with with the respect to the Warriors, they do need to clear some cap space if they want to get LeBron James. God. Just quickly glancing through this article by um, Chris Haynes, brilliant staff writer from ESPN. His sources are basically this whole article is just the thought of you know LeBron James. It's not. It wouldn't be hard to actually just listen to what Golden State would want to offer. But that's going to start another rumor mill. What's going to happen with the Cavaliers? What's going to happen this offseason? Will, Cleve- will, will LeBron James actually go to the West? Whether that be Houston, Spurs, Clippers, and even the Golden State Warriors. Uh, quick thoughts on that before we get off? If he goes to the Warriors, oh my God. Like LeBron's one of my favorite athletes ever. But if he went to the Warriors... Come on, man. What is that? Like, the fact that people already think that his legacy is somewhat ruined because he's already left home, I think it's worse. They're saying that if he leaves home again, it'll be very bad. But For to sure. leave home and go to the Warriors <laughs> of all teams, come on, man. Like, you're imagine a starting five of Curry, Thompson, LeBron, Durant, and Draymond. So when, you, when you're talking about... Just give him the title now. Listen, when you're talking about clearing salary cap, that literally means... That literally means get rid of every single player. Livingston, Iguodala, Nick Young, Bell, all those guys who are good. Get some scrubs. And bring in the 905 and pay them $1 per game. That's literally what it means because how are you going to be able to have three max contracts Yeah, and even Clay and Draymond be like, come on, we're with those two. LeBron make, th- this is not going to happen. This is just a report. It's not happening. Of course it's not going to happen because LeBron James is obviously going to ask for 36 to $37 million for just to play in Golden State. They need clear so much cap space. They already paid Seven Curry how many how many years for like uh, a, 200 million, a super max 200 contract. million over five years. If this happens... The NBA is a joke. Uh, it's not going to happen. But it just, yeah, it I just, think there's too much ego for it to happen. The NBA I think there's too, much, there's too much ego. There will be too much ego, <laughs> ego excuse me, over playing time between KD and LeBron and who's the leader. You might as well won't even play a season if that happens. Who's the, no, but I'm just saying hypothetically. The, the, the Warriors will go undefeated. I, okay, no, no, they won't go undefeated. How much do you want to bet LeBron James goes to the Warriors, that team goes undefeated? All right, we're going to try that out on NBA 2K, and we'll see what happens if they go undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will just have some like uh, 2K goal. generated players on the bench and just have the starting lineup Stephen Curry. No, LeBron's untouchable in 2K. He won't. They won't. <laughs> yeah. See, this is where I feel though the NBA's gotta change. Change because this is taking away everything. What a what a sports league's beliefs are. There's no competition anymore. I think I think what hides it is the personalities that we have. You you look at leagues like <laughs> take the NHL for example. There's a salary cap, but it's a different team that's doing something every year. This is a joke, guys. Come on. Okay. Let's end it, let's end it on there. Uh, we don't know if it's gonna happen. I'm pretty sure it won't happen, of course. Um, but for one one thing before we get off the air again, uh, JaVale McGee released a birthday song. All right, Stefan, I'll end it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so that concludes our episode of Just Sports Talk. Thank you for tuning in. You can catch us on Instagram at Just Sports Talk or on Twitter. Uh, don't be afraid to... Uh, give us a shout out if you want us to touch base about things to talk about on our podcasts to come 
So you can follow me on Twitter or uh, DM me on Instagram or Twitter at Stefano underscore Pelleggi. JR, uh, where can they find you, you at? You can find me at JR Manitad underscore. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us, follow us on SoundCloud and on iTunes so you get the latest Just Sports Talk podcast in your phone, in your feeds. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you guys want to follow my tweets, I'm at uh, Team Markijani13 on Twitter and on Instagram at Tristan Markijani. And Dimitri, where can they find your social media? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dimitri Dafos. You know, if you ever have a question for me, you want to have a little chat or whatever, feel free to message me. And that concludes today's episode. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>